I can't tell you what a privilege it is to be among you today, Freedom Fellowship family. Uh, when I was here the first time, the Lord uh, really touched my heart with your love, with the family that you are, with the integrity, and yet the heart to go after Jesus with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yesterday, I had the great privilege of spending Saturday morning with all of your leaders. And uh, I want to say something to you. You have some amazing men and women as leaders in this church. Could I have an agreement in the room, anybody? Yuri <clears throat> um, and Amanda, would you just stand for a second? I know we're past Pastor Appreciation Sunday, but I really don't care. Um, just, just right there. Somebody come. Dave, would you just come? Stand. Um, because I have a, such a heart for the church to actually see itself as family. For the church to no longer be a place that we draw a crowd, but we actually raise up sons and daughters. That when I find a church like that, and by the way, this is rare in America, it touches me deeply on the inside because I believe that's who we're really supposed to be. We can talk about everything else, but I'm telling you, until we understand that a, a church is a gathering of sons and daughters as kingdom family, and because many of you have known what it is to be rejected by your own biological families, having a church family and having a mom and dad that actually love you, not for what you do, but actually love you for who you are, and actually tell you that and express that love to you is a significant piece of this fellowship. And one of the things that I love so much watching this morning about you guys is your sons and daughters coming up to you and hugging you and loving you. Your spiritual sons and daughters reaching out to you and coming up during worship. And it just speaks to me not only of the amazing anointing on your life to raise up this family here, but indeed, you have families all over the world now. You have families all over the world that you're raising up, and you're healing the hearts of leaders so that they no longer walk in insecurity, they no longer walk in fear, but they walk in the love that you're pouring out to those leaders in significant ways. And there are families that are growing. Uh, you know, I, I see hundreds of thousands of people in just the next couple of years of leaders that are being created as sons and daughters to go forth because, as you've said over and over again, you can't be a father until you become a son. You can't be a mother until you become a son. Uh, uh, you can't be a mother until you become a daughter, not a son. Excuse me. I was thinking of Romans chapter 8 where it says we're all sons. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. I just want to tell you how much I love you and I appreciate you. I honor you today. I pray for the fire of God to fill you afresh and anew, not only with his passion and love, but with an, the abundant grace that's spoken about in Acts chapter 4, where it said that after they, there was persecution that was happening and they gathered together and the church prayed and the building was shaken, and it said there was abundant grace upon the apostles. And they performed extraordinary signs, wonders, and miracles. 
And I believe the most extraordinary sign, wonder, and miracle is the raising up in sons and daughters to be a family and to create families throughout the earth. So I bless you. Let fresh fire come upon you in Jesus' name. And the anointing of God in Jesus' name fill you. Fill you. Fill you to overflowing in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. You know, I just, I declare, I, I, I cancel, I sever every assignment of the evil one and every lid that has been spoken over you by anybody who didn't fully understand your call as a mom and a dad. And I just declare there's nothing to hinder you from stepping into the fullness of all that God has for you in the greatest days that you've ever known in ministry. In Jesus' name. Would you just give thanks to God for these two? Yeah, you can stand up. Yeah, you can stand up. Come on. Let's honor them, please. Yeah! Yeah! There was, there was, I'm just going to say this. There was a demonstration of transparency, transparency, why, okay, Holy Spirit, give me the words. There was a demonstration of transparency, vulnerability, and humility that happened in our leaders meeting yesterday that, that Yuri and Amanda demonstrated that all of a sudden I had all this water coming out of my eyes and all of a sudden, we're having to pass around tissues, right, leaders? All around the room. And it was so powerful. And I, um, right now in this room, I'm hearing the Holy Spirit say, I'm granting a gift of repentance right now to you. It's still here. And to repent is not just to be sorry for your sin. But it literally means to change the way you think. To change the way you think about how God sees you. That he loves you as a beloved child. That shame and guilt and condemnation are not part of who you are. But sometimes we need to get our minds aligned up back with the truth of God. Sometimes we have to step into what he really thinks about us. And he, how many of you know that we're not sinners saved by grace, but we're sons and daughters? And I want to invite you today. You're not going to disrupt me at all. But if this gift of repentance comes upon you, would you just be willing to come forward and kneel? And, you know, I'm not going to pay attention. You can just come and you can just kneel. And let's just let the Holy Spirit have his way today. I'm, I'm willing to interrupt whatever... I have planned to do that the Spirit of God would bring repentance and freedom in this room because true freedom comes, first of all, with us recognizing that we need to be free. And that freedom comes through realizing what's actually available for us. The second thing I want to say, and I have a word for some of you in this room, and that is there's some of you... Um, that you've heard the call of God to step in to this moment of revival and awakening that's taking place right now on the earth. 
and you've been laboring with the Lord for a while, and as you've sought to step into that, you've felt like you've been in a, you've had some failure. You feel like there's been some rejection. You feel like that there, that that although you were trying with all of your might to to be a revivalist or somebody who is a who is representing the advancing of the kingdom. There's been rejection and there's been failure and there's been this sense of you feel like the powers of darkness have been out to get you, and at this, which they have been, by the way, let me say that. But secondly, uh, you feel some, your personal failure. What did I do wrong that this happened? And let me say to you today, if that's you, quit asking that question. You know, Jonathan Edwards, who was responsible with his ministry for the message, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, he is responsible for the, the first fires of the first great awakening. But if you understand the rest of Jonathan Edwards' history, he was rejected by his congregation. As a matter of fact, the congregation voted him out 250 to 20. He was completely rejected by his, by his congregation, by his community. And yet God used him powerfully to actually turn the tide of this nation, which at the time was in a place of such degradation and sin that without an awakening, there never would have been an America like we see And so I'm saying to you, hear the voice of the Lord today. His favor is upon you. His love is with you. He does not see you as a failure. That as you continue to burn brightly for him, do not allow how people accept you or don't allow how people have rejected you, let's put it that way, to somehow define who you are. Continue to define yourself as somebody who is burning with the fire of God. Who is burning with the revival and awakening that God is bringing into this world right now in Jesus' name. And quit allowing the enemy to tear you down with guilt and shame and condemnation for what you perceive as failures. I'm saying to you, if you're a son or daughter of the living God... Failure is not attached to you. There is nothing about failure that is part of your identity in any way, shape, or form. Could I have an agreement in the room, anybody? So I just bless you, and I pray for healing and restoration and a fresh fire upon your life today in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Come on. yeah. Thank, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So real quick, I, I'm not going to take much time for this, but um, I, I have the privilege for now the last 11 years to direct Randy Clark's Global School of Supernatural Ministry. And in the midst of that began this ministry called the God Heals PTSD Foundation, which is the ministry that I travel under 
uh, that allows me to go to churches, to go to military bases, to go to uh, Navajo, uh, Navajo and Crow and other Indian reservations. It allows me to go into prisons and veterans places and minister the truth that God is all about healing the trauma of people's lives. And in the midst of it, I, uh, God had me write a book called Supernatural Freedom from the Captivity of Trauma that has the entire uh, healing trauma seminar. What I do, basically, God has not given me a mandate to counsel everybody free from trauma. He's given me a mandate to train the body of Christ how to bring healing prayer to trauma. So in the last 11 years, I've trained close to 18,000 people in 38 states and nine countries in this healing model of prayer for trauma. And we have over 25,000 verified testimonies of people who have been completely healed of PTSD and all the symptoms of trauma. So that's because of the people that have been trained. So anyway, the book is back there as, along with USB drives that have the entire seminar in video form. Uh, there's also some DVDs and CDs. And there's also a laminated prayer card. Randy Clark is the king of laminated prayer cards. And so we have a prayer card back there that you can use to pray the prayer. There's also the five-step physical healing prayer model. But today, um, this Saturday, uh, is Veterans Day. And I wonder if somebody, Mark? I would like to give this book to you. So could somebody take this back to Mark? Mark is a Vietnam veteran. Thank you for your service to our country. As a matter of fact, if there are any veterans, military veterans in the room right now, could I ask you to stand for just a moment? If you're a military veteran, everybody, yeah. Remain standing, please. Yeah, come on. Honor them. Give thanks to God for them. Sir, you don't have to remain standing. I want to thank you for your service to our country. I want to thank you that you laid down your lives for our freedom. I want to say to you that your service has not been in vain because we are still free. And so I bless you. I pray that Holy Spirit would heal you of whatever trauma that you experienced in your days in the military. But we honor you today as amazing sons and daughters who've given your life for us. And I bless you in Jesus' name. Give it up for these guys one more time, would you please? You can be seated. So I'm going to invite you to get your Bibles, whether you have it the old school way, which I like the best, right, everybody, or your, your phone uh, or tablet or whatever you have. We're going to go to two scriptures today, Psalm 34 and Isaiah 61. <clears throat> and when you get there, I want everybody to look at me. Every once in a while, you'll hear me say, look at me, because I like to see people's eyes. Uh, I like to know that they're listening to me. And um, I want to pray this prayer real quick. Under the authority of the senior leaders of this church, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're moving in this room right now. 
And I cancel by the power of the blood of Jesus, and I sever every assignment of the powers of darkness against any person in this room or on live stream right now. I cancel, I sever the assignment of the spirit of trauma, the spirit of fear, the spirit of torment in Jesus' name. We break your power and we say, you have no place here today in Jesus' name. I sever and I cancel the assignment of the spirit of addiction, of the spirit of suicide, and the spirit of death in Jesus' name. We declare that you have no place here that in Jesus' name you shall not disrupt or in any way, shape, or form keep what the Holy Spirit desires to have happen here in people's lives in Jesus' name. I plead the blood of Jesus over every person in this room and on live stream right now. And we just declare the shalom of God. And Father, I ask you to send healing angels right now into this room to bring healing and restoration from the trauma of life in Jesus' name. Amen? So how many of you know that we live in a traumatic world? As a matter of fact, how many of you realize that it feels like that trauma continues to increase in an exponential way in this world? That right now, at least in America, we are kind of in a state of denial uh, because we have yet to fully grasp the aftermath of what took place during one of the largest traumatic events in human history called the COVID pandemic. And what, what most of us don't realize is that the entire world was traumatized by this pandemic because what came with the announcement of the virus came a demonic spirit of fear that caused us to isolate ourselves from each other to become afraid of each other, to literally mask our, our image so that people couldn't see our full face. That people began to be afraid of each other and be afraid that some awful virus was going to come and knock on our door and kill us. And in the midst of that, we isolated ourselves, which is a primary symptom of people who are traumatized that we pull away from human interaction, which every human being needs. And we got into a place where we were just waiting for the next shoe to drop. Guys, uh, I, I need to tell you that as you understand what's going on with our children, if you understand what's going on with our teenagers and our young ones, we're just beginning to see the aftermath of how that pandemic has affected their mental health in a significant way. The rate of suicide, the rate of self-harm, the rate of addictions is, rising, is skyrocketing in this country at least. And it's all because of the trauma of the pandemic. And you know, we got to 2022 and we think, ah, oh, we're, we're past the pandemic, right? We can kind of take a breather. And then Ukraine happened. And if you've watched anything about what's happening in Ukraine, and understand, Ukraine is about 80% Christian. So what's happening in Ukraine is actually happening to brothers and sisters in Christ. And the atrocities that have taken place, trust me, I was in Ukraine in March. Uh, I went there 
to do conferences in churches that uh, are struggling not just to minister to the military, but to minister to an entire populace of people who literally are living in a war zone every single day. And by the way, let me say this. Here's the good news of it. They're seeing a harvest of souls like they've never seen before in Ukraine. One church, when I went there in March, had seen over 25,000 people come to Christ through the ministry of the church since the war began. I believe that the billion soul harvest is not coming. It's here. It's here because of Prophet Bob Jones said that it would start in the Soviet Union in the middle of a war crisis. And at that time that he gave the prophecy, Ukraine was still in the Soviet Union. <clears throat> so Ukraine happens and we hear all of these horrible things that are taking place and, you know, we, you know, things kind of calm down a little bit. And then October 6th happened with Israel. And we hear about all these horrible atrocities that are taking place. And the reality is, brothers and sisters, this may feel like the bad news, but the bad news is that trauma is going to continue to increase. The pressure is continuing to increase because the, here's the good news. The coming of Jesus is very soon. But he said in those days, and if you read, if you read Matthew 24 and 25 and Luke 21, he says there's going to be an increase in the pressures and the difficulties that take place. And, he, and one of the things, if we get to it tonight, I don't know if we'll get to it or not, but I want to talk about when Jesus in Luke 21 talks about asking for the strength that prevails that there is a supernatural strength that prevails that is available to all of us if we'll ask him for it. But what has taken place in my ministry, and I'm going to show you a couple testimonies in a minute to give an understanding, is that I have seen that while trauma is increasing, so is the power of God increasing as well to break the power of trauma off of people's lives in Jesus' name. That indeed those that have been told who suffer post-traumatic stress disorder, those who suffer unhealed trauma, they're told by many folks in the counseling industry that they'll just have to live with it for the rest of their lives. They'll have to just cope with it. They'll have to take you know, medication and to, you know, go to lots of counseling when Jesus came to bring healing and restoration to our trauma and freedom in Jesus' name. So look with me in, in Psalm chapter 34, if you would. Psalm 34. And by the way, how many of you know the Bible's kind of a traumatic book, right? I mean, it's pretty traumatic. You know, you don't get out of the first couple chapters of Genesis and, you know, Adam and Eve leave God, and then they have kids, and one kid kills another kid. And by the time you get out to chapter 6 of Genesis, things get so bad with human beings that God has to send a flood to wipe out the earth and start all over again. I mean, that's, that's pretty traumatic, right? And, of course, by the time you get to the book of Revelation, you have to take a Xanax to get through the whole book because there's so much traumatic stuff happening, right? I mean, it's, woo. Help me, Jesus, right? 
But the reason why the book is, is such a traumatic book, that while it is the record of God and his plan for human beings to be restored from our fall and to walk in the fullness of our destiny and purpose, it is also a record of what human beings look like without God. And, it, and many of the stories we read, particularly in the Old Testament, are a warning to us. As a matter of fact, the writer of Hebrews says, they were written on our behalf that we might not do what they did. In Psalm 34, David, who I consider to be, uh, although an amazing son of God, a man of God, I also consider him to be one of the most traumatized men in the whole Bible that his whole life from the time that he was a child all the way through the time that he was king uh, experienced lots and lots of trauma. In Psalm 34, verse 17, actually go up to verse 15, it says, The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against evildoers to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord hears, and delivers them out of all their troubles. That's good news, isn't it? But it also says the righteous have trouble. Anybody had trouble lately? Anybody? Yep. Just a little bit. Verse 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Now, I don't know if you ever put that verse on your refrigerator, but it's not a refrigerator verse that most of us would put on. Because while it's good news that he delivers us, he says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. And the reality is, brothers and sisters, um, Jesus as the old country song, well, I, by the way, I used to be a country DJ in the 70s. I did. I used to be a country DJ. And so I met all the stars, you know, Johnny Cash and Statler Brothers and Loretta Lynn. And there was one singer called Lynn Anderson. And she had a song, I Beg Your Pardon, I Never Promised You a Rose Garden. Anybody remember that song? So <laughs> I won't even go there. But anyway, that's Jesus didn't promise us a rose garden. As a matter of fact, he made it really clear that when we, when we follow him, while we're going to walk in the blessing of God, uh, Matthew chapter 10, Luke 29, or 21, talks about the kind of opposition and persecution we're going to face. It's true. And so many of us, the way that the enemy really tears us down in the moments that we're going through difficulty is, and, I, and by the way, I love what this sister shared this morning about the wrath of God. When we're going through difficult times, we feel like, okay, God, what did I do wrong for this to happen to me? Right? Anybody ever had that question? But what if we're doing right and still things happen? What if we're doing our best to walk in radical obedience and still difficult things take place? But which, by the way, they do. I was just with Heidi Baker. Who knows Heidi Baker? Anybody? Heidi Baker uh, and Will Hart, who's a great friend of mine, was with them at Voice of Apostles uh, in Virginia. And they had just 
escaped out of Israel. They were there with 100 students from their school of harvest uh, during the beginning of the attack of Hamas against Israel. And they were actually in the region that the attack took place. Uh, they had to get into bomb shelters. Eventually, they were able to get all of their students out and escape. But um, how many of you know they were pretty traumatized, right? I mean, you can talk all day about, yeah, I'm going to trust Jesus. I'm going to believe him. But every once in a while, we need some ministry to our souls. Could I have an agreement, anybody? Sometimes our souls get injured, and we get wounded, and we need some ministry to our souls. So I had the privilege of praying for their whole leadership team to break the trauma off of what they just experienced. And the Lord brought them some, some wonderful freedom. But we need to understand that to carry unhealed trauma, whether you've been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder or you just have things that have happened throughout your life that still haunt you, to carry unhealed trauma as a believer in Jesus is nothing to be ashamed of or guilty of. See, in our American culture, what we've said to people who've been through trauma is we've said to them, well, you just need to get over it. You just need to move on. As a matter of fact, Yuri, as a pastor, years ago when I didn't understand this, I would say this cute little phrase, well, just build a bridge and get over it. What I didn't understand was what that phrase spoke to people who were carrying massive amounts of unhealed trauma, that they had done everything they could to get healed, but they were still wounded. And then the church comes along, and we say to people, well, if you've got an issue with trauma, just read your Bible more, just pray more, come to church more, and we use Band-Aid solutions for open, gaping wounds in people's souls. We give pat answers for things that only Jesus can heal. And I want to say this to you, the word trauma does not refer to having a mental illness or a disorder. To carry unhealed trauma is to have a soul injury. That is, your soul has been injured by the things that have happened to you. As a matter of fact, when David says here in Psalm 34, 18, he says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. The term brokenhearted in the Hebrew, which only happens three times in the Old Testament, the term brokenhearted literally means to have a shattered soul. To have a shattered soul. Now for me, the soul is made up of your mind, how you think, your will, how you choose, your emotions, how you feel, and then it's all wrapped up in your identity, who you are. And when you've experienced trauma in your life, at whatever age, that trauma comes along and it brings injury, or the literal word for trauma in the New Testament is the word wound. So I guarantee you that everybody in this room are live streaming right now, you have experienced trauma at one time or another in your life. As a matter of fact, I've learned that everybody has trauma. Turn to the person next to you and say, everybody has trauma. 
say it to the other person on the other side of you. Everybody has trauma. You see right there, watch this. By making that declaration, we just broke one of the major lies of the demonic spirit of trauma over people's lives that says this, nobody will ever understand my trauma, so I have to isolate myself. I can't ever talk about how wounded I am because nobody will ever understand me. Well, my friend, if that's the lie you've been leaving, I break the power of that lie in Jesus' name because everybody's experienced trauma at one time or another in their life. The issue is not whether you've experienced trauma. The issue is does it still affect you? Does it still impact how you think, how you feel, how you make choices? Does it impact your identity? In other words, do you find yourself defined more by all the bad that has happened to you in your life? Are you defined by the promises of God and the identity of who you are as a son or daughter? I mean, it's clear in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that the Apostle Paul declares this. He says, if any person be in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is passed away. All things, all things, all things become new. Now that is the, rea that is the spiritual reality that we live in as people who have the Holy Spirit in us but guys, many times have you learned that while it is a spiritual reality and a benefit to us, we have to appropriate it. For instance, how many of you know that God has already forgiven you? He forgave you 2,000 years ago on the cross. But we still have to appropriate it, don't we? We have to receive it. We have to, and I, I don't know about you, but I... You know, I still have to keep receiving the forgiveness of God. Anybody else? I have to live a lifestyle of repentance. So in the same way, we must understand that although that it has already been appropriated to us, that we don't have to be defined by all the bad that's happened to us, the reality is we still have to step into that reality. And that's what the next scripture, Isaiah 61, is all about. So turn with me to Isaiah 61, if you would, please. Isaiah 61. This is the prophecy which should be very familiar to a church like this of, of your kingdom status. It is the prophecy of Messiah Jesus and what his ministry would look like when he came on the earth. And it says this in Isaiah 61. It says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to the afflicted, to the traumatized, to the victimized and the marginalized. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to declare liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to declare the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort those who mourn in Zion giving them a garland of beauty for a head full of ashes, the oil of joy and gladness for sorrow and mourning, the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness, fainting, and despair, 
that they would no longer be called the poor, the afflicted, and the traumatized, but now they would be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Now, when Jesus comes, Messiah comes to bring the good news, he says the very first sign and wonder is the healing of the shattered soul. Now, we understand that the human soul is shattered by the weight of sin, iniquity, and transgression. But it's also shattered by all the bad things that this world brings to you. As a matter of fact, I like to think of the, the soul like a mirror. And when I go to look, and by the way, I guarantee all of you looked in the mirror this morning to make sure you, you look decent, your hair was okay, and there was nothing hanging out of your nose, you know what I'm saying? I mean, just, you gotta look, you know, you wanna make sure you're presentable. And while the mirror doesn't fully represent all that you are, think of your soul like a mirror. And what the trauma that you've experienced in your life does is it shatters that mirror so that when you try to find who you really are in your identity deep within you, you find yourself more defined by all the trauma in your life rather than by who your father really calls you to be as a, a beloved child of God. So how we think about ourselves, the memories that we have, the ability to not allow our feelings to run our lives, the, the ability to make right choices, and the ability to think of ourselves the way God thinks of us is affected by the unhealed trauma or the wounds that we still carry. It's significant you understand this because most of the time, most churches don't talk about this stuff. I'm thankful for a church that is courageous enough to have me here because most of the time we want to sweep it under the rug. The reality is, is that many in the body of Christ are severely wounded by the trauma that they've carried. You know, David was severely wounded. How many of you know that he was not accepted by his family, but he was rejected? The reason why he wasn't brought out in 1 Samuel 16 with the rest of the sons is because many biblical scholars believe that he was the product of a relationship between Jesse and another woman, that he was considered illegitimate, that indeed he was considered less than, or as my, as my, uh, my parents who come from Kentucky would always say, if your family isn't treating you right, you're being treated like a redheaded stepchild. <clears throat> David was not, he was rejected by his family. And there's people in this room, listen, you still carry the rejection of your family. You carry the rejection and the fact that either because of who you are or because of the choices that you made, your family rejected you and they withdrew your love from you. And my friends, that's trauma. That's a, it's a trauma that the Lord wants to heal today. The second kind of trauma that David encountered and experienced was his career as a mighty warrior. You know, we celebrate the fact that David was a giant killer. He killed Goliath and he chopped off his head. The only problem with that is that 15-year-old boys are not supposed to be going around chopping people's heads off. And he became known as a mighty man of war, so much so that later on when he was a king, 
He wanted to build a house for God in Jerusalem. And God said, I can't let you do it because your hands are covered with too much blood. That God never intended human beings to have to undergo the horrors of war. And whether it's war, whether it's natural disasters, whether it's what's happening in our streets, whether it's abuse, physical, sexual, emotional, whatever it is, those things shatter the human soul to such an extent that even though we have Jesus in our life, we have a tendency to still let that stuff define us for who we are. The good news of 2 Corinthians 5.17 is this, that I no longer have to be defined by my history, what I've done, what's been done to me, by my family, or what I've witnessed. I'm defined by who my Father calls me, and He calls me His beloved child in whom He is well pleased. Some of you are not convinced, so you're going to have to say it with me. Okay, you're going to have to follow me in this, okay? Because of Jesus, I am no longer defined by my history, what I have done, what's been done to me, by my family, or what I've witnessed. I am defined by who my Father calls me. He calls me His beloved child. In whom he is well pleased. Now thank God for that, will you, right now? That's the truth. I want to show you a video. Um, it's of the second guy that I ever prayed for. I probably showed this the last time I was here. I don't care, it's such a great video. And it's about a, a guy that the second guy I ever prayed for that came forward at a Randy Clark meeting at Bethel Church in Reading uh, because he wanted a book on identity. And he was suffering. He was a, a military veteran. He was suffering severe chronic nerve pain that had put him into a hospital bed and into a wheelchair. And at the time that he came, he was on a walker. He was on, watch this, 60 pills a day from the Veterans Administration to deal with all the issues that he was dealing with. And when he came, he came to give a testimony of his healing. And Randy will tell the story about uh, the very first person I prayed for, another military veteran. So this is about 10 minutes long. I know we're going to go a few minutes over. Is that okay if we go a few minutes over today? Is that all right? If you need to leave, I release you in Jesus' name. But this testimony is going to lead us into a time of prayer. So guys, can we show the testimony from Bethel Church in Redding, California? Hey, how you doing? Let me tell you first about what happened a few weeks ago, and then what happened. Now I'll let Adrian tell about last night. How many uh, veterans of the uh, wars in the Middle East do we have in our presence tonight? If you've served in Iraq or Afghanistan, somewhere in the Middle East, would you just lift your hand unless we have any? Um... You know, this war, like all wars, has casualties, sometimes it's more than shrapnel. And one of the huge things that we're facing as a country is so many 
uh, veterans coming back with PTSD, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. And a few, uh, several weeks ago, uh, a young man came up to us in Illinois at a large vineyard, and he, he, he told me, um, you got to pray for me. I've, ever since I came back from Iraq, I've had night sweats, and I've had terrible dreams, and I've been tormented every night, and my life has been miserable. And it's, uh, and, and so, and it's, it's so bad, his wife is going to have to have surgery as well. And so Mike, our director of our school, he, uh, he was with me. I said, Mike, pray. And as he began to pray, something happened to this man named Ron, who was a veteran. And the next day, he met us and said, I had no night terrors, no night sweats. I have been at peace. And my wife was healed when she was facing back surgery for in her lumbar area. She got healed at the same time. This is now weeks later. We're still getting emails from him. And not only that, but he has such, had such a healing, not one problem since then, that he is praying for all the veterans in the church that they too would be healed of the PTSD. So last, was it last night you came up? Monday. Monday night. Adrian here came up, I believe it's right there, or somewhere right in there. And I knelt down and I asked, what do you need? And, and he told me. So you take it to, from there and tell us what's happened. Well, Monday night when Mr. Clark was handing out the books, he had handed out a book on identity. And that's why I had to get to him. And I knew I could went to the bookstore and get it, but something kept telling me, no, you need to go ask Randy Clark what the title of that book was. And you need to ask him specifically. And I was like, no, no, I'm just going to go to the bookstore. But anyway, I made my way up here. The crowds parted like the Red Sea because I didn't know how I was getting here. And I asked him the title of the book, and he told me, and he said, well, why do you need it? I said, I lost my identity quite a few wars ago, and I was trying to find myself. And he said, you don't need that book. Let me call up a team member to pray for you. But what was even better was that I think... I don't know, I'm speaking on your behalf, but I feel that he sensed that if he left me to wait for the team member, I was bolting for the door <laughs> because I was scared, I was terrified, I was getting surrounded by the crowds, I was nervous, I wanted to get out of here, I was looking for a threat. But he didn't let me go, he took his mic off and he sat with me. Can't thank you enough for doing that for me. Before I go on, there is freedom in Jesus. <clears throat> I didn't come here to get prayer for PTSD. I've come here because I've been living with chronic nerve pain in my arms and legs for the last five years, five plus years now, until tonight. And I met a couple in Lubbock, Texas, not where I'm from, but where I retired to, that was from, associated with Bethel, and they prayed for me, and that was the first time I ever experienced real prayer. That's where my breakthrough started was April of 2011. By September of 2011, I came to visit the healing rooms. I was in a lot of pain. I, I just looked at my medicine records a few days ago. I had six or seven sheets of medicine with about 15 to 20 meds per sheet that I've been on in the last uh, five-plus years. Long story short, I was seeing breakthrough, and it was coming, but it was slow. It didn't happen overnight. Sometimes it would go away, and it would come back. So I'm thinking, 
why do I have to deal with this PTSD? I came here for my nerve pain. God, what is going on? I want this pain out of my body because it's like cutting yourself with razor blades, having acid poured on your skin and your bones crushed 24-7. You can't breathe. I couldn't play with my kids. I couldn't be with my wife. I lost my love of music because the, the, the sound and the vibration was so intense. I have to sit at the back of the church or by the exit. I couldn't stand bright lights, so my senses kind of got dulled. All that's gone. And... <laughs> So when Mike came and, and prayed for you, did, did, did what happened? Uh, Mike came and prayed for me, and he held on to my wrist. And I started to panic because I did not want to be restrained. And I think I could take Mike. He's a big guy, but I think I could take him, <laughs> even in my weakened state. But what Mike did for me and what Jesus did through Mike to me was he made me look at his eyes, and he wouldn't let me put my head down. And I kept wanting to put my head down because I didn't realize the guilt and the shame I was carrying from the horrific and horrible events that I cannot even put into words, nor do I want to, because I don't see those images anymore and I don't feel that pain. <laughs> On the 10th of January, I went to my doctor with my wife you know, I've been about 100 different doctors and specialists for my nerves and the PTSD. And I asked them, I said, uh, does PTSD ever go away? You know, can it be cured? Is there medicine? What's the answer? Because, I, I, you know, I'm always thinking about taking my life. I'm always, and everything's intense for me and my family. And they said, no, you don't ever lose PTSD. Well, the devil is a lie, and so is that doctor. <laughs> Amen. 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 So Monday night, I, you know, I got prayer from Mike, and as he was praying for me, I was crying. I was sweating, he, and I kept putting my head down. He said, look at my face. I said, don't tell me what to do. And he's like, I'm not letting you go until you look at me. And so he just kind of walked me through the stages, and I can't even tell you what all of them were, but it was a short prayer. It was only five minutes. It wasn't nothing deep, but it was like Jesus was touching my hand, and he was speaking to me, and I felt a peace that I haven't felt since I was probably a young child. And I walked in the door of my house Monday night, and I kind of floated in the house, I guess. <laughs> and my wife said to me, she said, Babe, what happened? I said, I'm free. <laughs> I'm free. <laughs> Let's stand and praise the Lord for faith and freedom. <laughs> So happy for you. Thank you, and you couldn't have normally got up in front of this many people and stood in the light, could you? Hey, man, you are free. Yeah. yeah. My wife told me she said, "Babe, it looks like you've lost 2,000 pounds off your shoulders, and I don't know who you are because she's only lived with me since I've had this PTSD. She's lived through the nightmares. She's lived through being attacked in my sleep. She's lived in fear. My kids have dealt with it. She's lived through all the medication." But since then, in the last two days, I've played with my kids, I've held them, I've hugged them. I haven't been afraid of what's on TV, what's outside. And even better, when I, before I came here tonight, I just gotta say this, I was still having the pain in my wrist, but I said, God, you've been so good, you've already brought me through, you got me out of bed, you got me out of the wheelchair, you got me off all these medications and narcotics. And tonight, when I go there, it's gonna be done. 
And I don't need prayer because I'm just going there to glorify what you did for me. As I was sitting in the lobby over there, at five minutes to six, I was sitting there waiting for him to open the doors. And all of a sudden, I felt my left hand. And I looked down, and I was like, hand? You're back. And nobody prayed for me. There was no worship going on. I got on the phone, and I called my wife, and I said, thank you, Jesus. Not only am I at peace, I have no more pain. I can touch my hands. I can clap my hands. I can feel my fingers. I can dance. And the music didn't hurt me. The lights don't hurt me. The devil's alive. Jesus came me. Father God is so great, he brought me home. My Father in heaven, thank you for bringing me home and rescuing me and giving me So for years, I ended that video by saying, you get free of PTSD, you become a preacher. <laughs> and then two years ago during COVID, I received an email from Adrian, who now lives in Colorado. He and his wife have had two more children since that video. And he sent me an image of his ministerial license, that he had been licensed as a police chaplain in his community. And now he serves as a police chaplain, ministering to the police and all those who go through trauma, through their, through crime. So God is using him powerfully. Now here's what I want to, yeah, you know, give thanks to God. It's, it's amazing. I want to say this to you today. There's many of you in this room that you can relate to the trauma that I just talked with you about. You relate to what it's like to be rejected and abandoned and even persecuted by your family. There's some of you that you've experienced what it is to make really bad choices in your life and then to be traumatized by the bad choices. There's some of you in this room that have experienced what it is to be under addiction not because you like to party, but because you were trying to get as far away from the pain that you carried. By the way, the church in this day is raising up to no longer point the finger at addicts and say, change your behavior, and instead we're going to go after the pain that's in their heart and set them free. And when they get set free from the trauma, the addiction goes just like that in Jesus' name. There's some of you in this room that went through childhood trauma of being sexually violated, of being abused by the very people that should have built trust with you, and yet you were used for people's perverse things. And there's some of you who've never told anybody about that, but you carry it as a, as a piece of your soul that's still broken. Some of you know what it is to have such deep pain that although you love Jesus, many times depression, panic, and anxiety come your way. And you, you wonder if, if there is any freedom whatsoever. And I want to say today there's freedom in this house right now. 
going to pray for all of you just right here in this room. And if that's you, I just want you to look at me. don't want you to get religious on me and close your eyes. Because I like to, I'm going to pray for you with my eyes open. I want to see your eyes. But Jesus is here right now. You see, there's one thing you need to understand about Jesus. Before he went to the cross, he was turned over to the Roman soldiers. And they beat him. They pulled out his beard. They spat upon him. And then they stripped him naked. And they put him on a whipping post. And they took a flagellum which was a cat of nine tails with bits of bone and stone at the end. And they whipped him 39 times with that, his naked back with that, with that whip. And the reason why they whipped him 39 times is because their experience was if they whipped him 40 times, he would die of the blood loss and the trauma to his body. So they only took him to 39. But Jesus suffered such incredible trauma to his body. And that's why Isaiah 53.5 says of our Jesus Messiah, the Savior of our souls, that is by his scourging, we are healed. Jesus suffered trauma on your behalf so that your trauma can be healed, so that you don't have to carry it anymore. So as I pray for you, would you step into that redemptive moment of Jesus' body being traumatized so that you could be healed physically, spiritually, but also emotionally in Jesus' name. So come in power right now. I'm going to ask, I know people may have to leave, but I'm going to ask for the next couple minutes as I pray that nobody leave, that there not be any disruption for this moment. That in Jesus' name, let the fire of the Holy Spirit come right now in power. Just put your hand right here on your chest, if you would. In Jesus' name, I declare that the forgiveness of Jesus has already been given to you by his work on the cross, in Jesus' name. And if you've never accepted the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, then turn from your own way, repent, and accept the work of Jesus on the cross. Accept the cleansing of the blood of Jesus Christ into your life. But if you've already done that, I declare you are forgiven by your Father. You're completely forgiven, and there is no shame, there is no guilt, and there is no condemnation over you in Jesus' name. That all of that you are free from by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. I cancel and I sever every single wound that's in your soul. And I speak healing to those wounds right now in Jesus' name. I speak healing to your mind. I speak healing to your will. I speak healing to your emotions. And I speak a restoration of your identity according to the dream of God for your life. That you realize that Trauma no longer informs your identity, but instead it's the love of God through Jesus Christ our Lord that informs your value. That you are no longer somebody who is imprisoned or held captive by the spirit of trauma, but now you are set free by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. 
And in Jesus' name, I declare shalom upon your soul. Right now, as you have your hand on your chest, you're going to begin to feel heat, and that's the heat of the Holy Spirit. Bring healing and restoration to your soul right now in Jesus' name. I declare shalom and healing with all of the pieces being put back together again. And freedom coming and pain leaving now in the name of Jesus. Now I'm going to ask you to take your right hand. This is a strange thing. I'm going to ask you to put your hand right back here. Neuroscience tells us that all the traumatic images and memories that still haunt us are in the right back quadrant of our brains. So in Jesus' name, I command every traumatic image and memory that you carry, go all the way back to your childhood. I command those traumatic images and memories to be healed. I command them to dry up and die right now in Jesus' name. And I sever the neural pathway that leads to those traumatic images and memories. And I sever your five senses. You're seeing, you're smelling, you're tasting, you're touching, and you're hearing from being triggers to those traumatic images and memories that you will no longer be haunted by nightmares, by night terrors, or any kind of flashback that would keep you imprisoned or captive in the name of Jesus. I command right now your sleep center to be reset that according to Proverbs 3.24, because you walk in covenant with God, you shall no longer lie down in fear, but it's your father's inheritance to you to receive sweet sleep. So beginning tonight, you're going to experience six to eight hours of uninterrupted sleep, and you'll no longer be tormented in the nighttime any longer in Jesus' name. I speak healing to your memory center, and I say, wake up, wake up, wake up. Let there come a free flow of memory of your, of your memory to remember the good things about your life. And many of you are going to get your short-term memory back. You're going to begin to remember where you put your keys, your phone, your car. You're going to remember people's names again because the Lord is restoring your memory back to pre-trauma function in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now put your hand right back here again. In Jesus' name, I sever the soul tie and the one flesh union that came with the sexual violation and the assault that took place in your life. And I declare that you are no longer connected to your abuser any longer in Jesus' name. And I sever and I cancel the, the demonic assignments of the spirit of trauma, the spirit of torment, and the spirit of fear in Jesus' name. I sever in the name of Jesus the assignments of the spirit of suicide, the spirit of death, and the spirit of panic and anxiety in Jesus' name. I sever those assignments against you, and we close the door of access to every one of these works of darkness. I sever the assignment of the spirit of addiction in Jesus' name, that you will no longer run to addictions to heal your pain or to get you away from your pain. But as your pain leaves, your appetite for those addictive things will leave you and you will be free from addiction in Jesus' name. We close the door of access to every work of darkness in your life that came in through trauma and we declare freedom, freedom, freedom in Jesus' name. Now pray this prayer with me. Holy Spirit, come and fill every area of my life that has been occupied by trauma. 
Fill my mind, fill my spirit, fill my body with your love, joy, peace, and power. I receive a fresh baptism of love from my Father, and I declare that I am no longer defined by my history, what I have done, what's been done to me, by my family, or what I've witnessed. I'm defined by who my Father calls me. He calls me His beloved child, in whom He is well pleased. I receive my new identity. I step into the truth that I am a new creation in Christ. The old has passed away. All things have become new. I am loved. I am forgiven. I'm accepted. I'm part of God's family. And He loves me with an everlasting love. In Jesus' name. Give thanks to God, will you people? God bless you.